Hello, and welcome to the Fantasy Rewind Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Whifford. Hey, hey. So today, we are going to be diving into the Willow TV series on Disney+. Plus. So, I know we covered the movie Willow a little bit ago, and now we're diving on into the show, which is a direct sequel, well, not direct, but like a sequel to the to the movie. Uh, it takes place several years later down the road here. So yeah, but not too be, far. Not too far. About like, what, like 20 years or so? Maybe a little mm-hmm. more than that. But anyways, uh, we're going to be diving in and talking about that. And we're going to be covering that series as like our next big series that we're going to be covering on the podcast here. Um, so before we get talking about Willow here, I'm going to hand out the typical reminders that if you would like to get in contact with the show, you can do that through email, which is fantasyrewindpod at gmail.com. You could also get at us on Instagram, which is at fantasyrewindpod. We're also on Twitter at Fantasy Rewind. All right, so Mike, without any farther ado, let's hop into the rewind. Fantasy Rewind. Okay, so season one, episode one, The Gales. Uh, this we start off here with a little bit of a book intro. We see Sorsha's kind of sim symbol there, and then we get a recap of Willow. Now, before we jump in here and start talking about the episode kind of going through each piece overall dylan what were your thoughts of this first episode and our step back into the willow verse the willow verse okay so my initial thoughts (laughs) on this first episode are that it's a pretty mixed bag of tricks um i am liking a lot of the action liking a lot of how the show seems to so far be diving headfirst into fantasy way more Mm -hmm. than the movie did. Um, But I also have some reservations about the actors and actresses that are on screen so far, um, as well as the plausibility level of some of the actions that take place. (laughs) Um, What are your, uh, what are your thoughts, Mike? So I would agree with pretty much all your, your assessment there, but I'd say that I could definitely get a feel for like that eighties cheese still kind of still kind of layering uh the series and i think that was on purpose and me too i don't hate it you know i i I think in some way it's kind of nice that they aren't trying to go be too serious because the willow universe really i don't think should be and in that sense it is a little refreshing (laughs) no i will say that uh just to dive in what you a little more on what you just said there like I totally got that. Like I, to me, it felt like it had the same tone as the Willow movie, which is great because it's the same writer that did the Willow movie coming back for the show here as uh, either the showrunner or the writer for the show. I forget which one, um, but he's coming back and it felt just like we were diving right back into there. Definitely felt some of that 80 cheese. The dust kind of was being blown off in that first episode. Um, and a little spoiler alert, I like episode two so much better than episode one. Um, but we're talking episode one here today. And overall, I thought that it was a little bit more of a refreshing type of uh, thing to watch because we're coming off of Rings of Power. Before that, we were coming off of House of the Dragon and the production value and the general amount of money that was put into those two shows 
it dwarfs Willow by, or sorry, Willow is dwarfed by those pretty significantly. And I will say that it's kind of cool. Um, I watched the show with my wife here. She was saying it's kind of cool to watch a show where you're not jumping around from point to point to point. It's all like one long kind of a perspective take there. But yeah, yeah all in all, I thought it was an enjoyable watch so far. Yeah. So uh, I think we're both on kind of the same page there. Enjoyable, a little bit of cheese. Some questions on the actors and actress op- uh, choices and some of the... Uh, way they're unfolding the series so far but uh to continue on to the recap here uh we get this recap of willow and then it kind of goes into this prophecy that one day an ancient evil would kill laura dannon yep and laura dannon doesn't know her own future and so it's sort of setting up where we don't know where laura dannon is we kind of get an introduction to the new princess and prince who are queen sorcia's children and mad bardigan's children the princess is kind of the swordsman, sort of like Matt, sort of like uh, Mad Mardigan. Sort of like, like the well, minion. Sorsha. Oh yeah, Sorsha too. I was gonna say, but to me, she seems basically like the mini female version of Mad Mardigan. Like she is, she has all like his swagger and bravado and everything, and like I totally like see him in her. Yeah, but I also see Sorsha because she was also like a headstrong soldier. She was a warrior herself. Yeah. Yeah, and then the prince, though, Eric, is definitely like Mad Mardigan and sort of the lovey-dovey and sort of uh, that kind of way, like womanizer, but not quite. I don't know, kind of strange there. Yeah, he definitely seems like he has uh, Mad Mardigan's passion for the ladies. Yeah, Um, (laughs) we get introduced to both of these characters. They're both doing their thing. So Kit is the princess and Eric is the prince. And they're both kind of called back to the king or to the castle, even though they're out in the countryside. And I think that was the biggest, probably the first biggest difference I noticed was just we went from this desolate sort of kingdom to Mm -hmm. it's thriving. Right. And so the place they're actually at, um, I'm fairly certain, is the place where all the trolls and everything were in uh, the original Willow movie. Uh, they've turned it back into the kingdom that it was before, and it's not this, like, Mad Max desolate universe. It seems to be more of, like, your typical fantasy setting uh, for, like, Knights of the Round Table type of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. We get some interesting stuff here um, when they both end up getting back to the castle, and Queen Sorsha is, you know, condemning her daughter for using this sword, which is ironic since she was the same way, right? And mm-hmm. She starts hearing these voices, and we're like, okay, so we know something bad's on the way. <laughs> and this was a really interesting thing. We learn about this barrier that's been keeping out dark forces that was put around the kingdom, but doesn't include the Nelwyn, which I, I was like, uh, kind of surprised. Right, I thought, I thought the same thing. I was like, what? So why are the Nelwyn and Willow like left out in the lurch, and if... If Willow didn't make this barrier, who did? And to correct what you said, the barrier wasn't put around the kingdom. The barrier was put around Alora Dannon. Oh. Oh yes, that's like right. they, they mentioned that, that out. They men- they mentioned that a little bit later. They're like, oh, this wasn't yeah. meant to like keep people out of uh, out of the kingdom here. It was meant to keep people bad people away from Alora Dannon. Which is interesting. Uh, they talk about how it's been 200 moons and that since 
Eloridanum was seen, and it's been one realm, separate kingdoms, until Eloridanum returns. Even though she doesn't know who she is, and she's hidden away, and that's kind of all we know about her. And to be honest right, with you, so... I kind of like that, because when I was first watching this, I was kind of left guessing, like, is it Sorsha's daughter? Or is it, the for, for a hot minute, I thought it was the best friend of Sorsha's daughter slash love interest. See, I was right there with you. I was like, okay, I kind of like this mystery of who is Alora Dannon. And I felt the same thing. I was like, wait, is Kit Alora Dannon really? And yeah. then they talk about like how her and her brother Eric are twins. And I'm like, okay, so probably not there. And I'm like, okay, wait. Yeah. But then I had the same suspicion you did, Mike, though, about about Jade, uh, which is uh, yeah. Kit's uh, friend slash girlfriend, maybe. I'm not sure if there's like any official title going on there. But um, mm-hmm. basically, I was like, oh, is it going to be her? That's a Laura Dannon. And then, no, it, uh, it was not. But I, uh, I thought that as we started to progress through the episode and we got to the point where the, uh, the battle starts to happen. Yeah. I think it started to me become clear who was a Laura Dannon. Oh, I agree. I just wish they had I wish they had sort of kept us like dangling. Because even when, and I mean, everyone's seen the episode, so hopefully if they're watching or listening to this, but the Muffin Girl. Yeah, yeah, Dove. <laughs> Dove, yeah, uh, is Alora Dannon. And I li- I love that they made her Alora Dannon, like that role, because it was really interesting, because like the entire time I'm like kind of like, oh, she's just kind of like a throwaway character until right. she shows up to go with them, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting but i still was like maybe she is maybe she isn't it wasn't until she went through the barrier and i was like oh yeah definitely she's definitely uh laura dannon see for me i started to get the vibes when the prince was with her on the bed and like he was like professing his like actual like love for her and everything i was like oh i'm betting that this girl is more important than is being let on here oh I was I was kind of I don't know I was I guess I just was like hoping it was still stuck on someone else but yeah I I thought that was interesting um, oh, I just one again piece as I well. wish they dangled it for a bit well I'm glad I'm kind of glad they didn't because otherwise it would have been like wait why is Muffin Girl coming along here <laughs> but uh, one thing I thought was interesting is like the prince is uh, his name's Eric like. Mad Mardigan's friend that dies in the Willow movie uh, there. So I thought that was a nice little throwback to his, uh, his buddy. Oh yeah, it was, it was, but as I was saying, I like why you might've been okay with them kind of just revealing it, how they went about revealing it. I wasn't a huge into, I mean, it's fine that they did it. I just wish they had maybe done it a little bit differently. Like, why would Willow walk up and like unveil her in front of all those people? Wouldn't he want to still keep her secret or something? Like, he well, knew you'll who find she out the was. answer to that in episode two. Yeah, that's fair. But I here's why I was glad they did the instant reveal because my wife Amy and I we were talking about it. Like, wait, so Alora Dannon is supposed to be like this savior empress, witch lady, who is gonna like save the kingdom and eliminate all evil. Yeah. What are her qualifications? Like, what experience does she have? She and has none. yeah, so we were like, okay, so you're gonna hide her away and then bring her out later on, and she's just gonna 
waltz right into that empress role with no knowledge yeah. of politics or how to rule or of anything other yeah. than being a common muffin girl. So now yes. I'm like, uh, now I'm interested to see like how they're going to make that shift from muffin girl to future empress. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. And even when we talked about the Willow movie, we talked about how like Alora Dannon really didn't do anything. Right, as a baby. She was just a baby. <laughs> yeah. Even though she was the one who's supposed to topple uh, Queen Bavarda. And as we learn in this show from Sorsha, because of Sorsha and her two kids there, Queen Bavarda is ripe to come back, I guess, through them. Color me shocked. <laughs> I know. We kind of said as much like. Or at least we thought it was much. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think movie. we said as much during our Willow movie like predictions yeah. for the show. Which is it's fine, you know. You need to have a villain, and it would be interesting to see more of Queen Beth Marta. Maybe get some more of her story. I'm honestly really excited to get more of the magic in this universe side mm-hmm. of things because we don't really know that much. And right now, the only thing we know is that Willow is the only sorcerer left outside of. Laura Dannon, who doesn't know anything. So he's the only sorcerer left. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, they kind of mention Rizel. They kind of mention Shalindria. But they mention that both of them are gone. Yes. So we don't know much more than that. But anyway, um, we find out Kit's best friend, who you name-dropped earlier, wants Jade. to be a knight. And um, she's, she's basically going to be leaving... Kit as Kit's getting married to some prince she doesn't have, want anything to do with. Prince Graydon, yes. And uh, she's really upset, makes a scene, and I thought so, the interactions between Queen Queen Sorsha and her kids were really interesting because Queen Sorsha really, or Sorsha kind of came off as a bit of a jerk. She did. And uh, this part here actually highlights, like, the scene with Kit kind of showing off to Prince Graydon really kind of highlights one of my major problems with this first episode in particular. Um, One of my biggest pet peeves, and my wife had the same reaction here, was that it's looking like this show is like having inconsistent accents with the people that speak. So like Sorsha and some of the other adults will like speak in like this Arthurian accent or like a a Britishy accent, um, you know, reminiscent of fantasy worlds and everything. Whereas the, the kids all talk like they're in high school and modern day and are acting like spoiled brats who are, uh, too big for their britches and don't necessarily have any type of accent. (laughs) Like their, like their family does aren't really acting as much as like, just acting like a typical, uh, teenager in 2022 as opposed to a teenager in whatever time period they're supposed to be from and so that kind of difference between the adult actors and actresses versus the younger actors and actresses to me was quite stark um not enough to like fully make me dislike the show but definitely enough to make me kind of like take a like a quick like step back and be like wait what every time one of them spoke I'd agree. And uh, it really wasn't too much of a thing for me, but I do I do know what you're talking about. Um, so we'll continue here. So Queen, 
Queen Sorsha is being plagued by voices. We come to find out it's these people, creatures, using magic, and they're mm-hmm. going to invade <laughs> the castle by rolling in fog, sending in a troll? Yeah, seemed kind of like a troll or an ogre or like yeah. something like that. Kind of reminded me of the the cave troll from Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> yeah. Moria. A bird, which was actually a witch. Yeah. And the dogs, really the dogs cool. came back. Yeah, the Nakmar Hounds. The Nakmar Hounds, yeah. And uh, it in this, Eric is kidnapped. Why? Because he's wearing Laura, Laura Dannon's gear? I don't know. It was kind of <laughs> weird that like he was taken out of everyone. So I have a feeling that it has to do with one of two things. I think it either is that he was cuddling up with Alora Dannon and had her, like, sent on him, and so they mistook him for, like, her. And, slash, or, they need somebody related to Queen Bavmorda to bring her back. To bring her back. Yeah. I was kind of leaning, I was leaning more towards the second one as I thought more about it. So then they form a fellowship with this prisoner who... The queen's all chummy with, and which didn't make sense to me. Like she went and like talked with him, and it was like hanging with him and uh, bust him out, and he just hung around like and fighting him, and before he tries to leave, and pretty much he's supposed to be Mad Bardigan's replacement, a buddy of Mad Bardigan, and so you get much of the same sort of vibes from him. Right, and his name is Borman, and so you do find out a little bit more about him as the show progresses. But yeah, nice. basically, like you said, like his my instant reaction to him was like, wait, who is this that the queen's talking to? Why is yeah. she having a therapy session with a prisoner that's in her dungeon? If she wanted him out, why couldn't she just let him out? And then also I was like, oh, he's the Mad Mardigan for the TV series here. It comes out that they need to go find Willow because Willow had predicted all this. And So one thing real quick that I thought was very interesting. And again, one of my little pet peeves or picks on the show nitpicks maybe so the queen authorizes her daughter a guardsman this prisoner guy this prince her daughter is supposed to marry and her untrained friend jade who wants to be a knight to be the rescue party for her son as opposed to actually sending an army after them to get her son back She's like, okay, you little ragtag group of folks go out there and and do your thing. And so I was like, it makes so much more sense if she sent her army out there after them and told this group of people, you need to stay back here. And then they snuck out and went out anyway. And were like the side group that ends up like getting the job done when the main group failed. Um, that would have yeah. made so much more sense than like the queen letting her daughter and her other friends here go after her son to rescue him. Yeah. And I mean, they also could have done with an explanation like Willow prophesized this and said that I would have to send like a small group with X, Y, and Z. And then they could have sort of done a nice little shimmy past like, well, why wouldn't she send all her forces? Because she had a prophecy saying that if she didn't, like, they would be eradicated or whatever. And 
Yeah, we know it's it's because you want to get the fellowship vibes. You want this group together to build chemistry. We've already mm-hmm. lost the extra, so yeah, the guard who get who gets killed like right off the bat. Yeah, and also too, I I don't want to get past this before mentioning it. We have an infected person at yes. the castle. <laughs> I felt like the same thing. I was like, oh wait, so we have a spy basically who's like rotting and like secretly like being taken over by these uh these the gal or the gals or whatever the warrior shaman dude who stabbed him with his spear yeah don't know but (laughs) it's i think it's very interesting they have this huge barrier but they there's a door (laughs) yeah there's giant doors and all they have to do is just take out the guards that are at these doors and it's fine so i guess it just makes it kind uh, of like easy to just sort of like bottleneck things but yeah like i would have thought there would have been like some way some like magical way to open the barrier or like some special amulet that you had to have to like open it and like let people pass and or like something other than a gate that's right there with like a guard house at the gate so it's like a focal point of attack looked like it would have like three two or three defenders on it it's like no defense for the you so what good is this dome really Oh, correct. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. Anyway, um, so they get through the gorge, and then they're out into the the wilds there, and they're immediately attacked. We lose the one guardsman. Allura Dan, who is Muffin Girl, is hanging out with them and crosses... She this walks was so through stupid. the barrier, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She goes through the barrier, even though she could have just gone with him and gone through the gorge. Like The only reason they did this was to show off that she could go through the gorge, just to in 10 minutes reveal that she was a Laura Dan in any way like right it's like oh look just... at her muffin girl's special because yeah, she makes they... a phenomenal stew <laughs> <laughs> I do think she's funny and I find her character uh, some of the her quips they're kind of good uh, and I do like Bronman Bronzman a uh, Borman I Borman. Yeah, Borman is by far <laughs> my favorite character so far. Like, he's in he's episode really one. good. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I also like the prince that went with him. Like, even though he's kind of like sniveling a little bit, like, he's got. There's a little bit more to him, I think. Which there is. is. And like, you see him kind of like read that ancient text or whatever and like cause like that earthquake as he's reading it, basically. Because it's basically, I think, a spell. And he reads it and like stuff happens and it cracks that tree that Laura has to like run across and jump and barely gets over the gorge and everything. But yeah, I thought that he has more to offer than I originally suspected. Cause I, I like you said, I thought he was going to be this like sniveling prince who was just going to get in their way and like not really be beneficial to the group, but he seems okay so far. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if he ended up also training to be a sorcerer, or if he just, you know, is kind of just like the nerdy, like, I know knowledge you don't know. Right, right. Uh, and anyway, uh, so they get across, they escape the people who were going to attack them, and um, they find Willow. And Willow basically tells them, oh, we got to go across the Shattered Sea. We have to find the Wicked Crown. Uh, and yeah, he reveals that Alora Dannon was Muffin Girl and shock yeah and i thought it was really interesting because um 
basically they had this quest from Queen Sorsha to go find Willow. And then they get to Willow and he's like, you've completed that part of the journey. Now for the real quest. And like he sets them off like on their real like show wide quest that I'm assuming is going to happen over the course of the rest of the series here. Yeah. Uh, where they have to go across a shattered sea, like you said, and he's basically setting himself up as like this like Gandalf. Elrond Gandalfy figure from Lord of the Rings, like quest giver yeah. role, basically. And uh it ends with him basically revealing himself to be at least like a full fledged looking wizard with his uh cool looking staff he has and everything, so We'll see what yeah. he can actually do with it. I will be interested to see how far he's come. <laughs> and if yeah, we ever, and if we get more, I'm excited for episode two to hopefully get more of his family and stuff to see how that's developed. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about episode two because while episode one was okay, I feel like episode two, like hang in there. Episode two is better. And so like keep watching it um at least for this episode if you're intrigued enough after this one continue on um i know i am um but i think that this first episode was like a 50 50 shot you know it was okay enough had things that like kept me intrigued enough to want to watch another episode which was good but it was nothing that i was like over the moon or in love with Um, what about you mike yeah i I would agree. Like, there was nothing crazy good about this that was like, oh, man, I just can't wait for the next episode. But nothing that was like, I don't want to watch this anymore. The one thing I will say that was, like, really out of place for me was the song in the end credits. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is this, like, pop music playing here? Like, instead of, uh, like, a whistly, like, fantasy-esque, like, soundtrack it's definitely a modern soundtrack. And I think in general, the goal of this Willow TV series is to pull in a younger audience, which is why, you know, it is a bunch of teenagers going on this quest um, and feels like a bunch of teenagers going on a quest rather than like the um, Mad Mardigan, Sorsha, Willow crew from the movie. It's definitely a younger crowd. Yeah, I think this show is definitely meant to appeal to the people who watched it in the 80s bringing in a little bit of that cheese right but then to get their kids and it's on disney plus so i mean that makes a lot of sense like this should be applicable to all ages and that's what they're trying to do here yeah and i think uh one thing you and i talked about before we started recording here was the ratings that we're seeing right now for this show on rotten tomatoes um, and other such uh, rating aggregate websites there where the movie Willow has a poor critic rating and a high audience rating. So far, it's the exact opposite with the show. So yeah, far... To a much more extreme. Yes. So far, the critics are like 84, 85% happy with it. Whereas you look at the audience score down at 27. So... <laughs> You're seeing a big stark difference between where the critics are at versus the audience, and it's not necessarily in the show's favor for that to be like that. If it was more in line with the movie ratings where the critics weren't so pleased, but the audience was, I think that would be better for it. 
But Ooh. this has me just a little bit like up, like a little bit worried for the show's lifespan if it goes beyond a single season or not. Yeah. And like I was saying before, too, is that we've seen this with a lot of the high profile fantasy shows or, you know, I think about Wheel of Time and Rings of Power have both <laughs> been review bombed. And so it's, it kind of gets that sense and I haven't really looked into why so many negative reviews. I will be interested to read into that. I do want to watch the catch up to all the episodes, so that way, in case there's any kind of spoilers, like I avoid those. Right, right. With you there. All right, but I think that's all we've got for episode one of Willow, the TV series on Disney Plus, right here. Um, Mike, do you have anything uh, you want to close out the show with, or are you good? No. Excited to see what happens next. All right. So with that being said, we hope that you guys are enjoying Willow. If you have any comments about the show, have anything you want to like bring to our attention, send them our way. Um, otherwise, this is going to be two nerds signing off. See ya. See ya. See ya.